I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew from the Dad.io podcast, a podcast member of the Gonna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gonnageeknetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Let's start podcasting and welcome to episode one. We're 159 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we tell you to stop comparing your podcast. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we compare the difference of IAB compliance versus certification. And we also look at Apple Podcasts. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we talk about your favorite episodes. Lauren, start the show now because I want to compare this week's intro to last week's. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 159 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and of course, I have Stargate Pioneer with me today. Please call me SP. We love podcasting here on Better Podcasting. It's a podcast about hobby podcasting, and we cannot wait to tell you about everything that we're going to talk about this week. we got a jam-packed show, don't we, Stephen? Yes, we do. The first thing that we're going to go ahead and kick it off here is with what we like to call a how I could have saved my podcast story. We usually like to start off our show when available with a how I could have saved or how I did save my podcast story. And what that is, is we encourage you, the listener or viewer, to send us a story about something that went wrong with your podcast and what you did to save it. And then we will talk all about it and and we could all learn as a class together. But when we don't have one of those, we like to dig into the ether Uh, the podcast ether of the internet and go ahead and pull out a story and talk about how somebody could have saved said podcast. And we like to hit up Reddit because there's a lot of really good conversation over on Reddit. And the best part about it, yes, there are repetitive subjects over on Reddit, but there is a lot less repetitive spamming over on Reddit. So uh, let's talk about what we've got today, Aspie. We do. This particular How I Could Have Saved My Podcast story is from the podcasting subreddit, which is moderated by Bangs Naughty Bits. Bangs, you do a great job of that. And the title of this one was Podcast in My Car? And it was posted by Beam Me Up Scotty Boy 13. And the text of this was, quote, My friends and I are trying to start a podcast from his car. Right now, we tried to record our first episode and had some difficulties with her mics and also the, with the way we recorded it. So right now we have these mics that clip onto our clothes or seat belts. And from there it hooks to his phone and he records it on his phone. I'm just wondering if anyone has any advice for equipment or software we could use to better our sound quality while we're driving, or is it a good idea to even be driving? And also, is there a better mic out there for us to use? We are completely new to this. So any help would be greatly appreciated. And that was the post. First of all, I got to say, congratulations on wanting to start a podcast. What a great time for you. Be me up, Scotty Boy 13. That is awesome. Uh, secondly, what Steven is doing for the audio listeners, what he's doing is he's taking the huge clothesline clip and he's putting one of his microphones, which I think is the Behringer XM 8500 on 1800S. 1800S into his shirt. And I'm not sure if that would work or not, but I guess you could try it. And I, I don't know, it definitely would stretch out the the collar of your shirts. I'm that, assuming that's what they meant by clipping a microphone onto their shirt is that <laughs> I don't can't think of any other clip on microphone. That's what they meant, right? They probably meant a lavalier, also known as a lapel microphone. So we're going to talk about some of this. The first thing that we're going to talk about is we want to state that neither of us are lawyers. And if you want a professional legal opinion, please go to a professional. But here's our take. If you're recording while driving around, make sure you know the laws in whatever state, province, country, or locality that you're 
in regarding distracted driving. I will tell you, for instance, some states in the United States prohibit driving with two earphones in, and other states might treat actual recording as another sort of texting while driving issue or distracted driving. And sometimes this even applies to passengers if they're distracting the driver. And just so you know, this is a risk while driving, and I would consider that risk and encourage whoever wants to try to do this to consider that risk and see if it's worth either mitigating or avoiding. Personally, I would avoid it, but I could see that some people would want to just try to mitigate that. Maybe have a driver who's not recording and just concentrating on the road. That would be a good mitigation factor. Steven, you agree with that? That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, where I live, never ever going to fly to make a driver podcast as as they go. Unless, of course, they're just, you know, way off off the mic or whatever. If you have anything near them, like that's distracting, they're going to call it distracting driving. And I think it's not safe either. You know, I think there's a lot of studies to support that. So I would say if that's the way you want to do the show is to have a driver that's not participating. So the rest of you can podcast within your vehicle because it's cool concept, but I have seen and heard far too many stories of people just on their phone or doing something and here you are trying to have an actual worthwhile podcast conversation. How can that not be more distracting than being on your phone? So I think that it's, I personally wouldn't encourage it. I would discourage it. Yeah. Some of the conversation that was back and forth in the subreddit post was that, well, this is just normal. This is what we're doing anyway. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're going to concentrate at some point in time on the fact that you are recording like, oh, did you get that on tape or did you get that? video of it or whatever. So we'll go back to that in a second. I want to go back to the microphones. Lapel or lavalier microphones, for the most part, are small powered omnidirectional condenser microphones. And this is definitely when you're in a studio, it accentuates the speaker's voice and it makes it easier to capture the audio from that. Unfortunately, however, this also will allow the fact that it's an omnidirectional condenser unwanted sounds like road noise, engine noise, and other ambient noise to enter into the recording as well. Additionally, they might pick up a lot of clothes rustling. Now, I did like one thing in their post that they were talking about actually clipping it onto the seatbelt, and I think you would have a little bit less movement on the seatbelt itself if you could disassociate it or distance the actual microphone from the clothes, but it's possible that it will rub there and you get some of that noise. And especially with the car moving around, even if you're not trying to move, you're going to be moving around a little bit and bouncing around. So there's possibility that that microphone is going to actually catch on your clothes, zippers, on guys on your neck hair, your whiskers, and you're going to get some rustling sound from that. So that's why a lapel or a lavalier microphone might not actually work for you. Now, I'm going to move back into, go ahead, Stephen, you were going to say something. There's one other thing that I want to go ahead and mention as well with the sensitivity of the condenser microphone. It's this, and I'll just go ahead and head on over to YouTube's sound effect library, and we'll just go ahead and go with this. You're passing vehicles. Like, come on, you're passing vehicles. How many times have we ha been next to that car that backfires or that loud, ridiculous, no muffler uh, low rider truck or whatever, right? Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, to think to do, ah, sorry, I'm venting. I should just stop with my venting. So you don't have any vehicle inspections up there in Canardia? <sighs> we do, but people still don't follow the rules, but continue. Okay. Okay. I want to go back to the actual act of podcasting in a car. I could see why people would want to do this. And I'll tell you two interesting things or shows that I've heard with this. They're not podcasts, though. They are accentuating video, and this gets to an audio reason later. Think Cash Cab, if you've ever seen that, and if you happen to have the game show network, Cash Cab comes on every once in a while, or Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Those are two video shows, and they're primarily video shows, and I think they do a better job as video shows for a reason. There's visual movement, even if the camera is just focused on the vehicle occupants internally. And then that visual aspect then obscures what might be lesser quality audio. 
And those cars might actually have additional sound attenuation installed in them as well because they're basically recording sets. So if you do want to record audio in your car, you might want to double the sound attenuation that is inherent in the car with additional in case you have any like sound traps, maybe near the rear window or whatever when you're recording and you probably shouldn't be moving at that point in time. So those are things to consider. And I get why you might want to do this, but it's more a visual aspect rather than an audio aspect in my mind. And I might be wrong there. I don't know, Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I just, you know, I, I said it. I think that there's a, a specific idea that this person has in mind for doing this. And they think it's going to be really awesome for whatever reasons. But to me, it's just more headache than it's worth. I don't think somebody listening to a podcast is going to think that the, that's a really cool aspect to it. I think it's just going to be distracting if anything. So, uh, I, if it was me, I'd abandon this idea. That's how I'd save my podcast. <laughs> well, I want to go one more step here. And if you do want to proceed while recording with driving around and have a driver, that's not actually recording and turn it into an audio podcast, I would suggest a few things. First of all, most sets that are cars have hard mounted shotgun microphones that are aimed at the individual's mouths that are speaking. Or you could try this, a dynamic cardioid one ear cup broadcast headset like the Shure BRH441M or the Shure WH40XLR or the Audio-Technica BPH-S2S. And what we're talking about here is one ear cup, not two ear cups, but one ear cup. And that seems to be legal in most driving applications. And yes, what we're talking about is passengers here, but I think the passengers being able to hear what's going on outside the car is going to make the whole thing safer if you want to go through with that. Now, if you want to use lavaliers to back up your recording, go ahead, but I would steer against using them as primary recording devices. And I think what you're going to find ultimately is that you're going to want to go with the audio either from the shotgun microphones or probably those headsets more so than the lavaliers. So that's my thoughts on all that. I, I still wouldn't do it. I don't think there's a great value in it, but I don't know. Maybe they're seeing some value in it. I think you hit it on the head with the uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. I think that's the inspiration for it. And again, I'll just go ahead and say that uh, really solid. Actually, I didn't say this yet, but I'll say really solid sound advice from Stargate Pioneer there. If I was to try to do this, I would do all the things that he said, but I wouldn't try to do this because I think it's just more headache than it's worth. Um, you know, a one-off specialty in a mall somewhere for some reason with some theme. Cool. I don't know. Like maybe you're setting up like it's, it's celebration day at your local mall and you do a podcast there for some reason. Cool. You're advocating driving in a crowded mall. Yeah. Blues Brothers. Let's move on to the main topic. <laughs> With over 609,000 total podcasts now available in Apple Podcasts, the odds are that as a podcaster yourself, you've checked out a few other podcasts that are available. In fact, many podcasters start podcasting after listening to podcasts themselves. Crazy, right? Well, the further thing is that odds are that as a podcaster yourself, that has checked out a few other similar podcasts to yourself or even possibly checked out podcasts directly in your niche. That's the good chance you've done that. Well, maybe it's the subject matter that had you intrigued. You know, you podcast on the subject matter because that does interest you after all. Maybe it's just because you wanted to see how others approach podcasting or maybe just maybe. You listen to other shows like yours to compare that show to your own. It's kind of like how I, when I get up in the morning, I have a nice routine. I go in my bathroom, I do my morning routine. And one of the things that I do is next to my mirror, when I'm putting my gel in my hair, I have a picture of Stargate Pioneer because I like to compare my face to his every morning and just, just do comparison. It's the whole not beard thing, right? You're jealous of the not beard thing. Now, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So if you are, in fact, listening to other shows or even just paying attention to them in their social media or discussion forums to compare your show to them, we have a simple bit of advice for you. Don't. One word. Don't. Why? Quite frankly, 
there is always a show with more downloads. There is always a show with more feedback. There is always a show with more advertisements. There's always a show with more opportunity. There's always a show with more reviews. There's always a show that gets more awards than your show. And there's always a show with a bigger Patreon than yours and makes more money than yours. There's always that show out there. And if there isn't, then you shouldn't be comparing your show to anybody else's anyway. <laughs> do not compare your show to those shows. Instead, try to improve your own show and have fun with your own show. So for the next few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss both paying attention to other similar podcast years while not obsessing about it. And we're going to talk about don't and why not to compare your show to others. And we're going to start with the paying attention to other simple, similar shows. So if you're starting a podcast like late this year and late 2018, odds are you have company in your podcasting niche. Niche is your subject matter that you're talking about. Even if you find your podcast show in rare waters, which you happen to be alone in your niche, odds are there are other shows that have similar enough facets to them that they provide examples of how to approach the subject matter. So whether it's an interview style show or a reporting style show, a st storytelling style show, a panel style show discussion, or recording a live event or, you know, whatever, there is probably a show that is close enough to yours that you might want to pay attention to what's going on with them. And there are benefits to paying attention to other shows. We're not saying that you shouldn't pretend that they don't exist. You know, you get a sense of the trends and the subject matter and you get additional opinions on your subject matter that might help broaden your assessment of how you approach a subject matter on your own show. You might hear some feedback from listeners that you can take into consideration on your show. I mean, don't read it out like it's feedback to your show, but it, it's feedback for the subject matter area. And if you are learning how to podcast, having examples talking about your same subject matter can be invaluable. You can decide on what you want to do or what you don't want to do based on what you're hearing. You can decide what your own style is going to be, picking and choosing for what works for others or what you think will work for you from others and see in general what works and what doesn't work. You know, find your own personal taste in a broad show layout. You know, do you want to do segments or do you want to do a free flow discussion? How do you want to approach it? Do you want to do well researched with music in the background, do a little radio lab or NPR style production, you know, whatever's up your alley, you can pick and choose by listening to other shows and how they do it. And it's okay to moderately listen to other shows on your topic or shows that are like yours. But, and here's a big, but if you obsess about them too much, you're going to be crossing that line into comparing your podcasts to other shows. And again, Stephen, we say, don't compare your show to others, only your face to Stargate Pioneers. That's the, the method message in this it's, episode. It's the baby face. <laughs> You're just jealous of the baby face. At the end of the day, your show is unique. No matter what the case is, even if you are like Stargate Pioneer, where you started a show on the exact same day as another similar show and have recorded the exact same number of episodes, all the exact same length hosted by the exact same number of hosts on the show. At the end of the day, your show is still different because it is you. There are d minor differences that you might not realize, but your audience probably does. Some examples of how your show might be different are that you are a different person than those other hosts and presenters. You have different life experiences than those hosts and presenters, and that's going to find its way into your podcast. You've also probably got different opinions than them, even if they're just slightly different. And you probably have a different way or a different method of approaching the same subject matter. We've talked about it before. Your audience likes you and your personality is going to be woven into that podcast of yours. And that's going to cover a variety of different aspects of your podcast. Heck, even if you're telling a story, there are different ways that you can tell a very similar story. And one really good example, if you're still listening to your iPod or you're looking at your computer saying, you guys are wrong. We've got a really good example of that. And that's the sort of, quote, twin films. 
So twin films are films that are very similar plots, similar concepts, usually come out about the same time, made by different companies, but they are different products. And we've dug up a few examples of this just so we could talk about it and make you understand that what we say is right. And one of the ones we'll go ahead and kick it off with here is one of my favorite ones because I like to quote the song all the time. And it's Armageddon and Deep Impact. For those of you who were not born then, I'm looking at you, Zachary Webb. Uh, no, I don't know how old you are, Zachary Webb. But uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact came out in 98. And they were sort of end of the world stories, both because of, an, was it an asteroid? Yeah, asteroids that were going to collide with the Earth and create a life-ending event. And Armageddon was a more action-packed, unrealistic, unscientific version, but it was just fun to watch. And it was with Bruce Willis and a, a host of other guys. If you haven't seen Armageddon, go out and watch it. Deep Impact was a little bit more of the scientific approach to things, but it also had big-named actors in it as well told two different stories, one from the realistic and it actually happened in Deep Impact, or at least it happened a little bit in in Deep Impact. And the other is Armageddon, where they went to the basically went up to the asteroid and they were mining and stuff is OK, you know, whatever. But it was really fun to watch two different stories. If you wanted the more scientific version of things like, oh, no, this is really what's going to happen. Deep Impact was your thing. If you wanted the more action-packed, you know, wham, bam, boom sort of thing, Armageddon was your thing. And both had compelling things to two very different audiences. Both were put out in 1998, as Steven said, and it was no actual, uh, it, there was purpose to the point that both of these films were at the same day. But that's not the only one. There's a whole list of these twin films and we'll go ahead and put this full list in the doc because we're just going to cover a few of them today but uh we have a whole bunch that we dug up just again so that you can know that stargate pioneer is right <laughs> stargate pioneer and steven one that steven actually brought up before the show was the whole gone in 60 seconds and the fast and the furious movies and these movies weren't in the same actual calendar year but they came out a year apart from each other in 2000 and 2001 and one, one obviously made it into an entire series and the other is, you know, it was a one and done. But they were both done at the same time about car thefts and stuff like that. And yeah, that happened. But it's not just action and car thefts. There's there's other minor uh, movies that came out about the same time. And I say minor, but they're still you know thought of today. You, Steven, you got a couple that you want to talk about? Yeah. You know what? Uh, one that's sort of. A lot of people don't see the similarities until they realize it and it's pointed out to them is the Truman Show and Ed TV. Those came out 98, 99 Truman Show. They're basically reality TV show concepts. And that was really when reality TV was sort of becoming a thing. And the idea was um, people sort of scrutinizing one person's lives. Yes, very different plots when you look at them, but they are still considered twin films. Yeah, another couple of films that really caught my eye here going back to 1985 is Weird Science and Real Genius. Both came out in 90 or 85. I think it's a 95, 1985. Both came out about kids doing science stuff and different companies produce them. But there are still big hits to this day. Both of those movies. Now, the science in neither movie stands up to today, but they're still fun to go back and, and rewatch. And this list goes back to the 60s. I mean, Dr. Strangelove and Failsafe. It goes all the way to 2016 with Batman versus Superman and Captain America Civil War. I mean, there are tons of shows, tons of movies every year that are like that. Steven, you got one more you want to talk about? Uh, I'll talk about one from way back. You got to get in your time machine for this one. Way back in 2016, there was a couple of small indie flicks. One was called Captain America Civil War. The other one was called Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. That was Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Both of them very similar ideas. Battle between two infamous superheroes. And that was, uh, yeah, 2016. So it's still twin films still happening. And again, this is to show you that your podcast, while it might look very similar, might have its own unique flavor 
And it's not just podcasting that has that happen. Right. The, the point here is that each movie in each pair was different in its own story. And as a viewer, you can like either, you can like both, you can like none of them. And that's the same way as podcasts. You just want to make your show the best show it can be for listeners because there will be an audience for a good show in your niche. Now, P.S., Emily Prokop, story behind Twin Films. I want to hear an episode on that. Whoa, calling out Emily. That's crazy. Twin Films. That would be a great story behind because she could do she could do one of them. She could do all of them. I don't care, but I want to hear an episode of the story behind on Twin Films. Now, your niche for your podcast might actually have a different size of a market compared to other niches. You know, even with better podcasting, this is a great example. Our niche is the hobby podcaster, which is a subset of all of podcasting. Now, neither Stephen or I would ever think that better podcasting itself would corner the how-to podcast market. That's not even our intent. And we're just using this as, as an example because when a lot of people start thinking of show numbers, their first thought is to compare it to that big similar show. But that's a, irrelevant in this case. And I'll give you an example. For a long time, better podcasting actually had lower numbers than the Gonna Geek show. But there was more interaction in better podcasting than on Gonna Geek. So instead, we focus on the connection with people rather than just worrying about our numbers. So this means that uh, the average amount of downloads for a podcast might not apply for your show. You know, we talked about the average amount of downloads per show, and they varied from month to month over the years from like 130 to 200 or something like that. But your niche worldwide for your show might just be 50 people. Like say it's a local show or maybe really specific subject matter. So if you're discussing this town of eight people or you might be discussing Apple II computer repair or maybe the technology behind transistors or vacuum tubes, the audience is definitely going to be limited compared to, say, the latest smartphones and home personal audio assistants. So you got to take into account what your niche possibilities are in terms of audience. Also, Stephen, let's talk about podcasting goals. Yeah, your podcasting goals might be a little bit different than somebody else. For example, uh, if you can, if we continue on this train of thought of comparisons, the Curiosity Daily podcast is a show that comes out six days a week and it's produced by two full-time employees. This is that podcast that when we had infamous Cody Goff on this show that he does for his day job. The episode lengths are designed to be about eight to nine minutes long, and the podcast is distributed as audio only as well as through an Alexa Daily Brief. Curiosity also has a promotional budget. Comparing it to the GunnaGeek.com show, however, we do a once a week tech and geek show, and our episode lengths are designed to be about an hour. And our podcast is distributed as a weekly audio podcast, but also as a YouTube video. The recordings are live, just like we do here on Better Podcasting on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. That's when we do Better Podcasting on Mondays is gunnageek.com show. Check out geeks.live. The recordings are live and on Gunna Geek, it's also unfunded. It's something that we do it out of the love of hobby. We don't have a pr promotional budget. It's just the love of myself, Chris Farrell, and Stargate Pioneer. So it's impossible to compare the two shows. However, it is possible to say that podcasting has enabled both of the producers' full-time jobs. Another area that some people compare with their shows is awards given to podcasts. The trouble with that is awards given to another podcast might have been skewed or these award shows might have been skewed towards the other show that has gotten the awards. So here's something to consider. The people behind any awards body have set up the awards for a specific reason and can also change the award criteria at their will to fit whatever they want to actually accentuate with the podcast awards. So, for example, the recent awards that were announced by iHeartRadio, it's designed to promote their brand reward shows distributed through iHeartRadio. The panel and award criteria were selected by iHeartRadio, nobody else. And this basically award show is all about iHeartRadio. It's just another example of 
other award shows that do the same thing. So in this particular case, if your show is not on iHeartRadio or doesn't get as many downloads or listens on iHeartRadio as others because of the demographics of who uses iHeartRadios and who actually listens to your show, I wouldn't expect your show to win versus other shows. And if you would like your show to get a specific type of attention, you are always welcome to start your own podcast awards, which is a pain, I will tell you, but it is possible. Or you could hire a PR consultant to lobby for your show and promote it for voting for those specific reasons. And that does happen. But in the end, the best way to get awards is just to create quality, enjoyable and captivating content. We're going to go back to that over and over. The way to improve your show to get more comparable numbers to somebody else is to just create better content and concentrate on that. So we talked briefly earlier on about feedback. Well, often shows with a lot of feedback actually work to get that feedback. Yeah, they don't just put their product out there and expect feedback to come in. They work for it. Although, you know, when we started, we kind of didn't. <laughs> Our audience is just that good. You guys are that good. But putting us aside, those shows that get a lot of feedback mostly invest to get that feedback. And how they do that, they set up some sort of central hub for that show. Maybe it's a Discord server. Maybe it's a Facebook group. Maybe it's a website or a forum, something like that. They also spend a ton of time marketing the show and the central hub that they set up. And a lot of time is spent in interactions through everything, social media, their hub, and in their forum, group, server, or whatever, to actually cultivate that feedback. And Stephen, one way to receive more feedback is to communicate with your space and your audience to cultivate that feedback. So it's not just your listeners. You're trying to go out into whatever that space is for that subject matter. And you can always ask for feedback on your show if you haven't asked for it already. And like we do, we always ask for feedback at the end of a section or at the end of a show. And if you ask for feedback, just make sure you have a place for that feedback to be sent to, whether it's an email address, you know, a Twitter account, a voicemail, something like that. So while you might be seeing that show over there getting so much more feedback than you, just know that they might be putting a lot of money and effort into it. All right, let's go ahead and kick it over to something that we don't really talk about much over here, but it's the quote, that other show has advertisements. My show doesn't have advertisements. And that's exactly how everybody who says it and posts it, that's exactly how they sound in my mind. Did you know that when you enter into an agreement for advertisements, that it's actually a two-way contract. It's not all that it's cracked up to be all the time. If you don't read the ad just right, potentially the advertiser could pull money for that ad. Or if you don't publish an episode as scheduled, the advertiser can pull the money for that show. If you don't get a certain amount of downloads per episode, depending on the agreement, that advertiser can pull the money for that show. And guess what? If you discuss certain topics that don't gel with the advertiser or are outlined, that advertiser can pull the money for that show. So ad reads might just not necessarily be the best fit for your show either. And even in the free hosting platform like Anchor with its CPM rates, they have their own downfalls. And I know that Stargate Pioneer loves talking about Anchor downfalls. So SP, what are these? <laughs> So many listeners have actually turned to podcasts over radio because of the ad free listening experience. And one thing that I've seen on the listener side of Reddit and the feedback over there is, oh, my gosh, this podcast sucks because they have six minutes worth of advertisements at the beginning. So some people just don't want to have that advertisement in there. And here's the thing with a hobby podcast that you're trying to grow your audience, forcing your listeners to listen to off subject or poorly placed ads for very little CPM. And what is CPM? That's cost per million or thousand, actually, where M is the Roman numeral for thousands. So CPM in the advertising term, in the revenue term, is the cost that somebody will pay you per thousand listens, downloads. And it's very low in podcasting. So if you're only getting like 200 to 500, downloads per show and your CPM is somewhere like 15 or $25 for that one ad, you're not even getting half of that for each episode. 
So if you're only going to make $12 per episode, this might not be in your show's best interest because what you're doing is you're going to end up turning away some of your audience who have turned to podcasts to get away from ads. You're showing them an ad. And so they don't want to listen to you anymore. You're not growing for their audience because they want to run away and you're not growing it. So if your show has less than the 500 downloads per episode, I'm wondering if it would be worth the hassle. So instead, focus on creating good content and publication and increase your audience size that way. Uh, one way to prepare your podcast for ads is you can place fake ads or podcast news announcements for your own show as ads in your show. And that would show potential advertisers that you're ready for sponsorship. So you can have a ready-made podcast for sponsorship, but I would wait until it would actually make financial sense. And it would, if you're doing fake ad, you can make it fun for the listener because it's funny. And that's the whole point of a fake ad. Just try not to interrupt the flow of your show in the process, but also consider that your show not having ads might possibly be a way to bring more people in. And if you're really looking to monetize, maybe you can do it another way. For example, Patreon. So Stephen, what's another question that we see all the time? Uh, the other host is asked to guest and speak at events more than me. It's so sad. Look at all that friendship that host has. That's, that's again, another way that that question or statement is always said in my mind. Right. So, you know, you go to these events and not all the time speakers actually are paid to travel. So a lot of times they're actually paying for their own travel. If you're a hobby podcaster, it's not your full-time job. So you are actually taking time off of work, you're traveling, you're spending your hard earned money for hotels, that sort of thing, just for that notoriety of being placed at an event. So let's go down some of these things. You know, are you personally ready for those speaking opportunities? Do you prepare for the opportunities that you actually have now? Do you seek out opportunities like maybe panels or instructional topics at conventions or events? If you do present good material to the right audiences, this could actually be very, very lucrative promotional avenue, but it takes time, practice and effort to pull off. So that is a differential between you and another podcaster. Maybe they've done more preparation than you. Maybe they do it as part of their full-time job. So this is just an extension of that, or maybe they are looking for these opportunities where you're not. I mean, we've done several panels on the Guinea Geek Network because we actually apply, we plan, and we do it. If you're not actually going through this process, which in some cases is a year in advance, you're not going to see those opportunities materialize. So just telling you, if somebody else is going out and speaking at events, it's not all the panacea that you might think it is. And the last area that we're going to talk about here, uh, the last statement that we often see people complain about is I don't understand why their Patreon is bigger than mine. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So first, uh, do you have a Patreon account or a way to solicit donations for your show? Cause oh, you don't, that would that... be why it's bigger than mine. Cause I don't yeah. have one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Steven. Mm -hmm. Secondly, have you ever, if you do have one, have you advertised it on your show? And are you creating good quality content that helps increase your audience size? So Patreon is based on two main things. You know, people love your content and people want to give back to you because they love your content. And the better content you have, the more likely you are to grow your audience. And the audience size, not everybody's going to give it to your Patreon. So a fraction of that audience will want to donate. So the bigger your audience, the bigger that fraction is going to be. So let's say it's just 10%. So if you have 100 people listening to your show, you have 10 people that might want to donate to your Patreon. That's actually high from what I've heard, but I'm just using it as an example. If you have a thousand people listening to your podcast, subscribe to your podcast, a hundred, if using that same 10% would work, would be donated to your Patreon. So again, the key is to grow your audience so that that fraction would be bigger that wants to engage with you. And in this case, wants to donate to you. So in the end of the segment, comparing your show to others is actually just wasting your time and you should really be spending that time making your own content better. Now, can viewing or listening to other shows and other content help you improve? Yes. Will obsessing about other people's content help you improve? 
No, not at all. So stick to your guns, stick to how you want to produce your content, improve them, make great content, build a relationship with your audience and look forward, especially now to what you can do better in 2019. That's the next year, which reminds me, Stephen, we have something about that. We do have something about that. We want you to let us know what is your one goal for 2019 to change on your show. Yeah, you, you got to get this into us like really quick here, like really quick, because otherwise it's just not going to make it onto the show. We are sending you on a mission. Submit to us. Submit to us by December 9th. What is one thing that you want to change on your show, listening back to it and what you think like a listener might take away and say, hey, I'd like to see that change. It can be audio quality. It can be content. It can be anything. There's one thing that you think would benefit your listener to changing that they might actually notice. Send that in to us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Ideally, you send us video, but if you want to send us audio, that's awesome. And as a fallback, feel free to send us an email submission because we want to collect these together and do an episode and give a bunch of people a bunch of advice. So we're not comparing. We're helping each other. That's the thing. We're not comparing to each other. That's right. So if you actually have a tip on how to pay attention to other podcasts that are like yours without obsessing about them, please contact us at BetterPod on Twitter, podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Like Stephen just said, is our email address. We'd love to hear from you and we will read it or play it on a future show. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the Better Podcasting download. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting download. At this point, I'm ready for people just to say they don't like me because I've ranted earlier at the top of the show. I did a little voice during the last and I'm going to rant again right now. Uh, let's talk about some news that came out this week. There was a article posted on podnews.net about the meaning of IAB compliance. If you want to check this out, you can definitely go ahead and do this. We'll have it in the show notes at betterpodcasting.com slash 159 or head on over to geeks.link slash meaning. That's geeks.link slash meaning. M-E-A-N-I-N-G. And SP, before I chime in on this, why don't you go ahead and summarize this article for the listener and viewer? It was a in-depth review of one particular podcast, which was ESPN, and they claimed that they had one download, but PodTrack, who also tracks their downloads, actually said something completely else. And so this led James into a deep dive into what it is going on with compliance. What does compliance mean? And what's the difference between compliance and certification? And what does certification mean? And we're getting a lot of these questions now that we're roughly a year into this IAB uh, podcast measurement guidelines 2.0, which were posted in December of 2017. And a lot of people are starting to ask, well, I'm seeing some differences. What do they actually mean? So Stephen, you have done a lot of research into this. This is something that's near and dear to your heart. What is the takeaways for a hoppy podcaster? Yeah. Um, first, I want to say that the big thing that you want to know is that there is a difference between compliance and certification. That's the takeaway from this. And what that means is the IAB, who sets the standard for the podcast statistics, how they're all generated, they have a process that if you want to get certified, if you're a company that wants to have your statistics program certified, you can do that. There's a process. Nobody's had it happen yet. Apparently, Blueberry is very close to announcing it. They've been saying just short of saying that uh, all for the last few weeks. And there is a lot of people who have read the outlined um, document for IAB compliance. And so they say that they are compliant with IAB statistic guidelines. Well, let me just go ahead and say right now that there is uh, it's important to note that when you look at the IAB compliance, the, the guidelines that are established, yes, you can go and try to be compliant to it, to the way that the document is formed. There's a very clear document that I've actually looked into and I've read the whole darn thing. And very, it's very clear on what they expect if you want to be compliant with IAB statistic measurement protocols. 
But the thing is, everybody is interpreting this standard. So uh, there's a little bit of deviation because of that. You know, you don't have one specific body that is controlling them. And when that happens, then they become certified. So then they are essentially apples to apples. As it goes right now, everybody's sort of just taking their best guess at what the IAB measurement guidelines, how to execute on those. So that's sort of the main takeaway from this is that there is a difference between compliance and certification. And you need to know the difference if you want to know whether or not it is an apples to apples comparison because of the fact that everybody who is, uh, quote, compliant, but not certified, might be interpreting it slightly different. And that's where you might get some numbers. And I'm just going to go ahead and call it out right now and say the use of the phrase compliance and certification. I have seen so many companies and representatives for big companies misuse this. It's very clear to me, and I've actually said it on the show, it's very clear to me that when somebody says they're IAB compliant, that doesn't mean they're certified. And especially when you know the fact that they are certified, that there is no certifications yet. But pretend that that's not a factor. Someone says I'm compliant with the IAB guidelines. That's not saying that they're certified. And I've seen a lot of different people rant about companies and go, this company isn't IAB certified but they're actually not realizing that the company's claiming to be compliant or they're just taking that message when they're saying the word compliant. So they're acting like the company is out there stating that they're certified when they're not. They're actually the company that is making this claim is saying that they're IAB compliant. So I think that this is important for a hobbyist to know because when you see those feuds happening, you see big company B and B company L, big company L or whatever it is, you see them complaining about possible competitors because there's no way that could be possibly certified by the IAB. You need to look to see what the messaging is by that company that is uh, claiming such. And maybe what it is, is that that company is actually saying that they're trying to be IAB compliant, which is basically at this point what everybody is doing since nobody is yet technically certified. So it's the same thing. So when you see those arguments online between companies, don't worry about it because everybody is subject to this until somebody is certified. Until that certification happens, doesn't matter if you're a big company or small company, you're still interpreting the IAB guidelines that are outlined. And so there will be some variance. But we actually had a recent conversation in our Discord server, and there's another factor that you should consider with this as far as variance goes. And uh, again, I've read the document, so it was a really fun conversation I had in our Discord server. And what it is, is if you actually read the IAB guidelines, there's almost a, a manual process that is outlined by the guidelines. What there is, is in the outline steps, the step five is actually called, quote, step five audit the process. The goal of this section is to allow for adjustments to the metrics generation. Metrics platforms need to watch for behavior that indicates that the quality of the metrics is diminished and investigate the source of potential errors slash fraud. We recommend that the entire process should be self-audited on an ongoing basis. Red flags should be identified and metrics adjusted based on a deeper investigation of the red flags end quote. It continues on from there. That's the document of the IAB guidelines. So the fact that the guidelines actually specifically have this quote, this word for word quote that I just read out says that they expect manual investigation of the metrics when there is a spike. So getting back to the whole certification compliance thing. Yes, you will see a variance between the shows. Theoretically, even when all the big companies eventually are certified, because you know it's going to happen eventually, you're probably still going to see a slight variance because of step five, where you have to audit the process. If a company goes and audits the process and they see that something is making it through the filter filtering, if they go and make the changes there and then another company hasn't identified that yet, well, for a while until that company, that competitor company has identified and made the change on their end, you're going to have that difference. So essentially, the document outlines the fact that there is going to always be 
something happening that tries to skew with that filtering and there will always be a level of manual adjustment that happens. So I just wanted to go ahead and get a little technical on it because the way that this compliance versus certification thing came out, it's definitely worthwhile for people to know about it because there is a lot. And I say this very passionately because it's true. There is a lot of companies throwing mud against each other with IAB guidelines and certification because of what they're believing to be misuse of the term or they are seeing misuse of the term. But you just need to know that at the end of the day, unless somebody is actually certified right now, the companies are just taking their best guess at what the IAB guidelines are. And so you're going to have variation. So there you go. That's my little rant here. Uh, that's I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, get a little ranty, get a little bit in depth on the detail and the thought behind that. I probably could have done a lot more talking about this, like a full episode's worth, but why bore you with statistics? And once a company is certified, Stephen, what's to say that it will remain certified? Like, I, I don't know. Is there a certification process to, to maintain that certification? I don't know. So if a company is certified, like say, let's just imagine Blueberry is certified before the end of 2018. So by 2020, are they still certified or do they have to go back through a audit process of are they following everything? The other thing that I want to bring out to your average podcaster, or your hobby podcaster, is this might result, and we've talked about this before, this might result in your download numbers being retroactively affected. Because if there's an activity that goes on that is considered fraud or is just a mistake, not actual fraudulent because that inquires intent. But if it's a mistake, then they have to go back and fix it. If that's their company's policy, I don't know if that'll be part of the certification process or not, but your downloads could be effective in the future anyway. So one example of this is the Apple watch when Apple watch series four came out, I believe it automatically, or maybe it was series three. I forget which version it was, but it automatically downloaded a lot of podcasts like the last 10 or so to these watches so that it could be available to play. And this was something that users didn't want to happen. The companies that were involved saw the activity, they flagged it, and then some of them retroactively affected the stats. And some of them were like, okay, we're just going to affect the stats from here on. This is going to continually happen. This is what certification means. You're reviewing or auditing the process. This will affect your stats. So you might see stats go up and down depending on what's going on out there. And that's the message that I want to make sure that hobby podcasters find out because some hobby podcasters really obsess about their stats, whether it's 50 or 100 or 1,000, doesn't matter. They really obsess about them. And yes, you will see them go up and down because of it. In summary, I'll just go ahead and say it. This article, it's worthwhile to have this conversation, but ultimately I'll take the position that the people who really need to pay attention to this whole dissection of compliance versus certification are the big companies that are throwing the mud at each other. I have seen so much miss mud throwing that I think that they should just really realize that people are now realizing compliance versus certification differences and that what you're saying, we're not going to believe your BS anymore. There you go. Like I said, it's really interesting listening to some of these big companies and then almost having to backtrack a little bit on statements or future proofing themselves on the statements they're making. You really have to listen very closely to what's being said. Some cases, there might be a misspeak in there that might lead you down the wrong, wrong path, but then you back up and say, oh, they didn't mean this, they meant this instead. But, you know, in the big grand scheme of things, I'm a hobby podcaster. Downloads aren't all that important to me when it comes down to it. I mean, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm continuing on to do the same job that I'm doing or better. But other than that, you know, I'm not making any money off of this. It doesn't mean that much to me. I know it means a lot to other people. So there you go. There's another thing that we wanted to talk about this week, and that's some shocking statistics from Apple Podcasts. This is based on a podcasternews.com article by Daniel J. Lewis on December 1st, 2018. And what Daniel J. Lewis has done is he's done a deep dive into Apple Podcast statistics based on their API. I've listened to him talk about this, and I'm pretty certain that he's got some pretty good numbers. Could there be some minor inconsistencies with the numbers? Yeah, but I think if you're talking all of Apple Podcasts, podcasts, and you're talking the total amount here of 609,000, I think that 
you're getting some statistically relevant information here. And there's two things I want to focus on for hobby podcasts here. There's a lot more information in the article. It goes down and it says how many feeds belong to each distribution source. And that would include self-hosting too. Uh, 83,000 are hosted feeds are hosted by SoundCloud. 72,000 are hosted by anchor. And that was a head scratcher for me because anchor just started doing this in February, 2018. And for them to get more than 10% of all the feeds and Apple podcasts in less than a year, it makes me think that some things are going on. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, 50,000 are feed burner feeds. So basically self-hosted, I would not encourage using feed burner, but 50,000 are, I don't know if these are old feeds or maybe new feeds. There's no indication on age of the feeds in this information. 40,000 are Libsyn feeds, 28.3,000 are Podbean feeds. So that's the main ones that we're going to talk about right here. Those, uh, five. So of those five, we're going to talk about how many have 10 or fewer episodes. Now, SoundCloud had 83,000 total feeds, 58,000, oh, excuse me, 50,000 of the SoundCloud feeds have less than 10 episodes. So that's more than half. Of the 72,000 anchor feeds, 58,000 of those anchor feeds have 10 or fewer episodes. Of the 40,000 Lipson feeds, 10 or 11,000 have 10 or few. And I believe that's all the information we have on 10 or few. If you go down to three or fewer episodes of the 72,000 anchor feeds, 42.4 thousand have three or fewer episodes. So that's over half. And 72.2 thousand of the SoundCloud 83,000 feeds have three or less. And the feed burner is at 8.4 thousand of their 50,000. And Lipson is. 3.6 thousand of their 40,000. I think there's a clear difference in percentages here on the podcasts that are more sustainable on either self-hosting or uh, main uh, media host companies that you have to pay for versus like the free stuff, Stephen. I think that's what's coming out here. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make the speculation. As soon as I saw these, it to me, it seems like the obvious answer is that, oh, hey, I'm funny. Are my friends funny? Let's do a podcast. And then you burn out after like three episodes. And what do you do when you're just like, oh, uh, we're going to start a podcast willy nilly. You find something free. And what is that? That SoundCloud? That was. That's Anchor. And, and so I think... That's what you're seeing here is a lot of people who aren't wanting to put the time into it and they just start off willy nilly or they they don't really know what they want to do with a podcast or don't know much about it. They're just going with a free option because like you said, the numbers are so different between even SoundCloud and FeedBurner. It, it's unbelievable how many only have three or a few. And the thing that I think is really important to remember that is that companies like Anchor and SoundCloud that they do end up wanting to sustain themselves on a free model. Well, they need advertising revenue somehow, right? And so like Anchor, they're talking about how they're going to do that with advertising revenue. Well, I can tell you this, the odds are an advertiser doesn't want to pay a lot of dollars for a feed that has three episodes on it made a year ago or whatever it is that's stale. So is that a sustainable model if the majority or a large portion, I should say, of the business is just dead feeds or three episode only feeds? I would think not. I think that's a really important takeaway because you see Anchor waving their flag about how many feeds they have very often. But this here really analyzes and highlights that many, many of those feeds are basically not developed, not active possibly or just maybe are are very slow slow releases or very very new and and again an advertiser are they really going to want to sink money into something that is very very new probably not so what we don't see here is total downloads we don't know what the total downloads of all those soundcloud feeds are anchor feeds lips and feed burner feeds we just we don't know so it's difficult to say that uh, there will be less downloads in Anchor than Libsyn uh, other than their new shows. And typically new shows don't get a, a heck of a lot of downloads, especially if you have three or fewer episodes. 
you haven't had that opportunity to garner that audience and, and grow your audience and make it to a really good big show. And I would think if you're some big celebrity that already has some sort of following, you're not going to use like an anchor out there for free. You're going to want to control your content a little bit more. At least I would if I was thinking that sort of way. So I think I'm having a real problem here, Stephen. And we've talked about this before and you've set me straight. But if I'm a new podcaster and I'm just learning and I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. I want to get in this hobby. I was thinking, why would I not want to use Anchor? But you set me straight and you're like, don't use Anchor because eventually you're going to want to do things that Anchor won't let you do. And it's the same with SoundCloud. SoundCloud doesn't have a couple of things with them. First of all, they're not IAB compliant, which doesn't mean what everybody thinks it means, but they're not IAB compliant and they don't have ID3 uh, the updated ID3 Apple tags that were at WWDC 2017. So it kind of puts those two out of my mind if I'm trying to make a better podcast. So if I'm making a better podcast, what I want to do is one of three things. I want to self-host, which I would love to do, but I just don't have the time to do it. Or I would use a media host like Libsyn or Podbean. Those are my three options that I would present to you. And if you're doing one of those three things, I can guarantee you, you're going to be more invested. You're probably going to have more than three episodes and you're probably going to have more than 10 episodes and you're going to be in it for a little bit longer. Are you going to podcast forever? I don't know. That's between you and your podcast, but I think you're going to be a little bit more invested if you're going to try to do it the right way. Absolutely. Uh, before we bounce off of this and head into the better pod back, I just want to say that this whole crawling is very interesting from a couple of perspectives. And one of which I don't want to delve into much more, but I do want to just plant the seed so people can comment on if they want for a future episode, is that Daniel J. Lewis was able to audit how many people were hosting on certain media hosts. And if you look at the original source they have, it was because of the way that the RSS feed was hosted on a certain media host or on specific media hosts, showing that that person did indeed those podcast feeds were tied to certain other companies. So I think it's worth mentioning right now, like I know there was reference that he had to the whole idea of trying to track how many were on Blueberry was difficult because of the fact that a lot of them are hosted on their own domain and stuff. I remember seeing that somewhere along the way. So it's just interesting to to see sort of the differences between the actual feed URLs and how it enabled Daniel J. Lewis here to be able to actually pull some great stats that are very favorable for, you know, the amount of podcasts that like other companies have, like Libsyn, how great is that? That they could see how big of a percentage they had within the Apple directory, right? There's a really cool thing that they can go ahead and wave their flag on. So yeah, d does the Apple directory have everything? No, but it's such a big hub that it's statistically relevant, at least to totally. talk about percentages of three or a few episodes or 10 or a few episodes. But let's go ahead and get to a couple of quick messages for our better pod back. Again, we've said it. We've got a channel over on the Gunna Geek Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. Fun fact, I also set up betterpodcasting.com slash Discord so that you don't have to worry about spelling Gunna Geek. So if you want betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, we'll get you in over there. And we just wanted to highlight a couple quick things that came out of that channel this week. Uh, number one, we had Damien the DM type, quote, starts to ping Steven and tell him the name of the podcast app. Hear Stephen find it right as he's about to hit send. So that was in reference to last week when I couldn't find what podcast app that Damien was talking about the previous week in our Discord server. We also had Jonathan Bloom say, I know that some people use Audacity, which is great, except I sometimes hear that it takes time to edit. I'm on Logic Pro X and I am, I always say X because I don't like people using X for 10. Anyways, for 10. Uh, I am on Logic Pro X and I am finding personally my time to edit is decreasing. Is it the tool or just the fluency at it? I'll go ahead and save the responses that happened. If you want to go and check that out, it's in the Discord server. Really good chat about editing and trying new tools. We also had Damien, the DM, again, with another message say, I really wonder what I'm going to think of my stats when I switch to Libsyn. I noticed a slightly abnormal jump in the overall downloads. Nothing insane, but enough to make me see what was hit. 
So just talking about how he saw a drop with his current provider, wondering what's going to happen with Libsyn. And there was a little screenshot attached. Again, check that out in the Guinea Geek Discord. This was really fun. Josh Liston goes, I had the staff Christmas party last night and I've got some serious NPR style vocal fry going on and my voice is just an <laughs> octave lower than normal. What a combination. I wish my voice sounded like this all the time without the need for craft beers and Jack Daniels. It's a trap. That's perfect. When you got some serious vocal fry going on, just record yourself saying it's a trap. You're going to use it at some point in time on some soundboard, by the way. That's a Star Wars reference from The Return of the Jedi. Anyway, Dad.io, he posted on the Discord. Everyone knows SoundCloud is the next great frontier for podcasting. Yeah, just trying to get my joke, my, my goat there. Absolutely. And finally, uh, before we do wrap up the show, we want to mention we had a fun Twitter post this past week. If you want to get in on this, go ahead, because we'll go through this the next time. We had our uh, somebody. I don't know who it was. I think his name was SP. Right? No, it was SP. On the Twitter, what has been your most fun episode for you to record, your highest downloaded episode, and your most meaningful episode? Don't hesitate to give additional details for each and give us your podcast website too. So if you want to check that out, that's twitter.com slash better pod. And we want to see your reply over there. Stargate Pioneer, a really good post that you made. Yeah, we've had some great responses for that so far, and we'll go through them next week. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that already responded to that. I know in some cases it details some work because we're asking for like, we're not asking for your numbers. We're just asking for what is your highest downloaded episode and your most meaningful episode. That's your actual determination on meaningful. And the fun is is also your interpretation as well. Heck, on we were thinking about this on Getting Geek on Monday. Like, what's our favorite, what's our most fun episode? And like, we can't tell because we haven't ranked them. <laughs> and <laughs> we've got like over 250 of them. So I don't know if we're going to be able to pick just one. But if you had to pick just one, just one of each and let us know. It'll be fun to talk about it. But there you go. That's going to wrap it up for episode 159. So for better podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying Stargate Pioneer. He owes me a hug. That's from the gunnageek.com show. There's my little cross promotion. And I'm SP saying, Stephen, I'm not going to give you a hug for three Canadian dollars. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Better Podcasting. We want to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review in iTunes. We encourage you to check out all of the other geeky podcasts available at gunnageeknetwork.com. This has been a Gunna Geek production. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week.